Thank you, Brother Jonathan. I tell you what, I don't know if you was up here Friday to see the, the commencement. Thank you, Miss Lisa. But BBS, what a great week they had, and thank everybody who served and for all the kids who we were able to minister to and connect with a lot of families who we've never maybe seen or been on our facility. But more than anything, the main thing is that a lot of kids learned a lot of truth about Jesus. I was amazed at their ability to recall and cite and quote the scriptures that they did. Man, y'all did a great job, because if it's in their heart, it's going to make a difference. Amen? And I kind of want to talk to us this morning about something God's got on my heart. And I want you to turn with me, if you got your Bible, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 and 7. And I want to talk to us about something that we talk about, we'll say, but you don't really ever truly think about what it means when you're talking about the sovereignty of God and his providential work over his creation. And we talk about God's providence and how he works all things out together for good, for what he wants, his purpose. But I think this passage we're going to look at shows you not only what the sovereignty of God is, his will for our life, but how he accomplishes it. And the amazing thing is God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are above what we would think to do. And I don't know about y'all, I'm glad God finds a way to get a hold of me that I would have never thought of. That's why it gets a hold of you. Amen? And um, as we look today, I want to read this passage to you. And um, I hope it'll be a blessing to you today as we study it and look at it. If you look here, Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, which was a church that had some issues, had some problems, there were some relational issues going on between Paul and this church. And he's writing these letters to them with the heart of a pastor. And he says in verse 5, if you look at it with me, he says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. And this is why you've got to preach Jesus. It's not what we have, what we have to offer a kid in VBS, what we have to offer on a Sunday morning ourselves, has nothing that can make a difference in your life spiritually. It's what Jesus has. That's why Paul said, for we preach Jesus. And look at what happens when Jesus is preached. It says, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. What that's saying is the same God who spoke light when he made creation, speaks light through Christ into darkened hearts, just like he did the darkened earth, because without light there is no life. And so Paul's saying right there, for God who commanded, he's sovereign, he commands, he does what he wants. He commanded light to shine out of darkness in the beginning, and now he's commanding lights to shine into darkened hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of his glory through the face of his son Jesus. And then he takes this wonderful treasure and he puts it somewhere where you would never expect. He puts it in what Paul calls an earthen vessel, a clay pot, and he's referring to our bodies. And look at what he says. This verse is awesome. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. 
For we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. And I want you to focus on this, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also be manifested in our mortal flesh. That's the earthen vessel, the clay pot that me and you are. And guys, listen, the ultimate will and purpose for everybody that Jesus saves, that he comes into your life, is that his life can be manifested, be made evident, revealed in your life, in your very mortal body. That's nothing more than a clay pot. (laughs) I don't know about y'all, but that's an unbelievable thing, an unbelievable statement. Now, guys, we have this verse that we love, and you can turn. We're going to flip back and forth from Romans 8 a time or two, but we're going to stay here in this passage. But we've all told it, and when you're sick or you're going through a trouble or there's something happening in your life that's unexplainable, that's unmanageable, people will tell you this verse. You ever heard some people tell you this? I've told it to people. Well, just remember, God works all things together for good for those who love God and for those who are called, the called, according to his purpose. And when you say that, that will never make a difference in your life unless you understand that he's sovereign and that he's so providential that he can do whatever his sovereign will determines. And until you ever grasp how sovereign he is, how awesome and how he is truly over everything, that verse is not going to only ever be a reality in your life probably, but not all things are going to work out for good, I can promise you too. I said, I want you to think about this. He says, as all things work together, that's his providence, that's how he works out his sovereignty. God's able to work all things out however he determines and nothing can stop him from doing it his way. And then he does it, though, to those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. That's those who are saved, that Christ has come into their light and shown into their hearts. And the treasure of the life of Christ himself is now in you. And he has a purpose for you, and according to his purpose. And the next verse is where we all get mixed up. Because it didn't say he's going to bless your mess that you created. He didn't say that he's going to make everything go the way you want and determine is good. He's going to make things happen for what he says is good. And you know what God thinks? And I agree with God the longer I walk with him. The greatest good that can ever happen to you is that you become more like him. And that his life can be made more real and more manifested and be more a part of who you are. And so he's transforming us. Can I get an amen? He's taking you from where he found you. He don't just want you to get information. He wants you to be transformed. And guys, that's God's sovereign purpose. Because what he says in the next verse under that verse, he says, for whom he foreknew, he predetermined that he would be conformed to the image of his son. That's God's purpose. Now, I want you to look at this with me. This is kind of deep stuff, so I tried to bear it down to redneck form. And if I can understand it, you can understand it, and God will help you. But the sovereignty of God is a biblical teaching that God possesses all power, and he is the ruler of all things. Now, we say that, that's easy to understand, but it's hard to believe. 
And it's hard to make it a reality in your life and how you live and react to this life. Because if you don't believe that, you're going to be doubting God all the time. You're going to always... But when you truly understand that that's a true about God, what it's meaning is that God the Almighty created everything by His sovereign power. He spoke light into darkness and created all this. And He takes a dead heart, a blinded human being who is in darkness and through Christ and the message of the gospel and the Spirit of God, and he speaks and puts life into a heart of a human. You want to see what's wrong with humans without Christ? Look at our society. Look at American culture. Christless culture and a without the light of God society is in darkness. And if we ever lived in a time of darkness, we're in it. But guys, listen, therefore, though, God is still in charge. God rules over his creation. And he rules over his creation according to his sovereign purpose. And God's sovereign purpose for everybody in this room, if you've been saved, is for you to be not conformed to that world that is in darkness, but be transformed by the light and life of God whose spirit lives in you and to his very image. And guys, God's working that out if you're saved. And look at what it says. Sovereignty is God's rulership over his creation. Now, we're not perfect at letting him be Lord, but he's perfect at being Lord. And just because you don't always participate doesn't mean that he's given up on his program to accomplish his purpose because his providence is going to be worked out in the life of anyone who is saved by his grace. And I know this is kind of deep, but look at this. The providence of God is the biblical teaching that God is not only ruling, that he has the highest authority to do whatever he wants and the power to do it with, but that he's working all these things together according to his sovereign purpose. You see, when you get something in your life that's unexplainable, that's difficult, that perplexes you, that you can't make sense of, that's bringing something into your life that you don't want, that you can't understand, that's pressing on you. If you don't believe that God's not only sovereign, but that he's providential and that he has you in his care and whatever's happening in you is allowed by him, it's going to be used by him for the greater good, you'll, you'll, you'll not experience what we're fixing to look at. And friends, listen, God is able to work all these things together according to his purpose even through events that seem to contradict or oppose his rule. <laughs> That's how awesome God is. Now let's throw us into the mix. I could say, yeah, he can, he can make a dog do what a dog's supposed to do, most of them. And you can make animals pretty much, animals do what they do. He's created the nature to be able to, but friends, when you throw us in, in the mix, you see, sovereignty is what happens. Sovereignty is what he wills and wants to happen. Providence is how he sets things up and works things out to make his sovereignty happen. Now, how many of you have seen and realized that the invisible providential hand of God has been working in you? That he's been over your life. That he's providentially moving things and rearranging things and working things out even when you don't always perfectly work with him. 
And when you're not willing to perfectly work and live loving him by keeping his commandments and living a life that's progressively answering to the call of his purpose and being transformed, that doesn't mean that he has providentially forgotten you or he's not knowing what he's going to do with you. When you least are able to see him, that's probably when he may be at most fixing to do something that you can't imagine. Because listen to this. The amazing thing about God's providence, and we're going to get back to the passage and see all this, is that he's able to work all things out according to his sovereign purposes without removing human freedom to make choices. See, God's sovereignty is not threatened by our freedom to make choices. It's how awesome he is. (laughs) That's how unbelievable his providential power is that even though we can make choices that we have freedom to make he's still able to work out in our life his providential purpose if you belong to him i want you to think about this with me two truths that are clear in the teachings of the bible you can't refute them a lot of people try god's sovereign he can do whatever he wants how he wants to do it when he wants to do it, and he's at work doing it, amen? He's going to end this story called creation according to how he wrote the book. Man cannot stop that. But at the same time, humans really and truly choose their actions. You can choose whatever you want to do. Now, those freedoms are bound within the sovereignty of God, so there's consequences. The Bible says whatever a man sows, He says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, he shall reap. If you sow things, there's a reaping coming, amen? Whatever you're putting into your life, whatever you're allowing your life to partake of, there's a consequence coming. The sovereignty of God will make it. It's like gravity, amen? If you jump off a roof, you're going to fall. If you live in the world, you're going to pay the consequences. But if you let God in his providential hand work in your life, the more you participate, the more you'll see his will done in your life. And friends, I want you to think about this. God's sovereign purpose is not thwarted by man's freedom to choose. And I've learned this lately, and I want to share it with you. We don't always do what we're supposed to do. We don't always listen like we should listen. But I want you to understand something. God knows how to get your attention. Can I get an amen? And God knows how to work in your life. And friends, as we look at this this morning, I want you to see this with me. The providence of God and the sovereignty of God are the two main things that will make this verse a reality and make it have power in your life. First of all, you got to believe that God is sovereign, that he does everything according to his purpose. And it can't be stopped. And that he's on the throne of creation and he's watching and he's over this world and he is working all things together for what he says is good. Now, guys, that doesn't mean that there's not conditions to this promise. It's a conditional promise. If you don't love God, and if you're not a person who has heard the call, and the call for his purpose is not something that you want him to do in your life, you're not likely going to experience everything in your life working together good. But the more he changes us, the more he transforms us, And the more the life of Christ is able to kill the life of what you used to be and be manifested, the more this becomes 
a reality in your life. Now, I want you to look at this with me today. As we begin to check this out, Paul says, for we do not preach ourselves. That's how God begins to work out his providence in a believer's life. See, the first thing has to happen if you want to see God's perfect will. Everybody who's lost, that's not God's perfect will. God desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He desires that all men receive Christ, that all men be born again, and the Spirit be in them again. And so Paul said, we don't preach ourselves because ourselves can't do anything. You can't make your children spiritual. You can't make your neighbor be godly. And we can't fix America. You can't even have a church that can make a difference unless we are making Jesus everything and we are realizing. And so Paul said, we don't preach ourselves. We preach Jesus. And he says, and we ourselves, we're just bond servants of Jesus for your sake. And look at what he says. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, just like he did in the beginning. Now he has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now what's he talking about? Guys, I don't know about y'all, but no one gets saved. No one changes without the knowledge of the glory of God that comes from knowing and seeing Jesus for who he is. And he says that God is at work. His providence is working to shine the light of the truth of Jesus, to reveal to us his glory that is shown to us in the perfectness of his son Jesus. And friends, when you get that, I don't know about you, but when you got saved, it didn't just change how you thought. It changed how you acted because it changes your heart. The Bible is clear that the whole plan from the beginning of the providence of God, because it was his will of God, that he was working, even in the Old Testament, when he sold us, and, and he, he, he tells us that he will give us a new heart, that he will take away our stony heart and give us a heart that he can, what? Make it to want to live for him. And friends, listen to this. He takes the life of Jesus, the truths, the, 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 all of the examples of Christ who he is, and even the Spirit, and he puts it in our life when he comes to show us. And look at what it says. We have this treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Man, salvation, coming to Christ, and Christ coming to you, and you meeting him, and the, the light of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you get the life of me, you're going to make it to the Father. You're going to know him. He said, I'm going to show you the truth. And I'm the way. And friends, listen, when that happens, everything that Jesus is, God puts in us. And his spirit lives in us. And that's when he begins to work through all of that to show us the excellence of his power. Now, what's he doing? At the end of all of this, what he wants to happen is the life of Christ, the treasure of who he is and how he is, his character, his attributes, and his fruits. He wants them to be manifested, to be made evident and revealed in our life. That's what it says at the bottom of this passage. Now, what I want you to look at today is that's not only his sovereign will, 
But that's what his providential will is actively doing in everybody that he saves. A lot of us don't think it matters. It matters. Because it doesn't matter how much information you possess about Jesus. All that will ever help you do is talk to talk. But unless you have been transformed and you're no longer conformed to the way you were when the light came in and gave you the information and revealed to you the glory of God that's in the face and the image of his son and that life now is being made real in your life, you're being transformed and that life is growing and the spirit is now taking over, you're not going to be able to do and make it in this world. Because that treasure, as awesome as it is, is able to make you stand and not fall when things press against you. It's able that when life becomes perplexing to keep you from becoming despaired. It's so powerful, it's so excellent, the, the life of Christ, not the information and the knowledge of Christ, the transformed life of a person who has been touched by the power of God, who the excellence of his treasure, Jesus is in you in his fullness. He says that when you're persecuted, you won't feel abandoned. And the one I like at the end, he says, though you're struck down, you don't fall down, you're struck down, you're knocked down, but you won't be destroyed. And you see, God in his providence allows those type of things to happen in our lives. You ever had it happen yet? And guys, what you need to understand today is that Paul's saying we're nothing but a clay pot, an earthen vessel. There's some value in it, but I want us to think about this earthen vessel for a minute. Look at what he says right there. We are earthen vessels. Paul says our bodies are like these jars of clay, fragile containers made from the dirt of the earth. And that's a good way to describe us, Miss Betty. Because you know what the Bible says? The Bible says we were formed by God from the dust. It says in Genesis 2, 7, and the Lord himself, God, formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. We came from the dust. And then he gave us free will, freedom. And we did something that was against his sovereignty and against his providence. It was not his plan, and we brought consequences. And that's what happens to every sinner, <laughs> Sin always brings consequences because it goes against the sovereignty and the providential plan of God for your life. But he doesn't give up there, thank God. He sent Jesus. He had a providential plan to remedy it. And he puts Jesus in our life, the treasure. And then in that treasure, we find the excellence of his power that this world doesn't have to control us. He can. And friends, I want you to think about this. This fragile container made from dirt, we're going to return. It says in Genesis 3, 16, 19, because of the curse of sin, that in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of the ground you were taken, and for dust you are, and to the dust you shall return. Without Jesus, even with Jesus, on our best day, all we are really is dignified dirt. And friends, he puts himself, the treasure of Jesus, in a fragile clay pot. Have you looked around at how fragile and how weak and how frail and how temporal your body is? 
Look around at some of the older folks. They can tell you, young folks, it don't get better. It gets worse. Why? Look it down below here. Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. But our inward man is being renewed day by day. That's unbelievable. As this body dies, as it gets worse and worse, the inward man can get better and better. It's impossible for the lost man He's working and hoping on doctors and medicine and his ability. He has no living hope that we sang about just now. But for me and you, as this body deteriorates and Christ through the dying of self is elevated to where his life is manifested in us, we can do something that Paul speaks about that happened in Paul's life. Look at what Paul says. Verse 8, we are hard pressed on every side. Have you figured out yet that there's going to have a time in your life, sooner or later, where the things of this wicked world that's so succumbed to wickedness and sin that has an evil God over it called Satan who is operating in this realm of fallen humanity to where sometimes life presses in on you from every side. You can't turn. You try to turn here. You try to turn there. You, sometimes you can't go down even. You're looking up. There ain't nowhere to go. And it's pressing in on you. If life hasn't pressed in on you lately, it will. But the thing about it, when you're a Christian and Jesus is in there, the treasure, the excellence of the power, though you're pressed from every side, you're not crushed. Have you been there? Everything in your mind is perplexed. You're saying, surely I am not going to survive. I can't take this. I'm not going to get out of this. This person, how did they do this to me? I'm sick. God, do you not see what I'm going through? Do you not feel what's in me? And I, I, I can't take another step, God. I feel like I'm going to be crushed. But somehow you're not when others without Christ would have been crushed along. And you're perplexed. You're perplexed to the point sometimes you can't even pray. You ever been there? You're baffled and you're puzzled to the point you understand God. You know, you believe in Him. You're saved. You believe He's in you. But you're so perplexed you can't figure out what He's up to. And so all you can do is say, Lord, and you try to pray. You know what the Bible says about a Christian? who has the life of Christ in him, the Spirit. Listen to this. This is so cool, church. I just experienced it. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses when we're pressed upon to the point of thinking we're going to be crushed and we're perplexed and we're almost to the point of despair. He says right there in Romans 8, 26, likewise, the Spirit who lives in us, the treasure, also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. You ever been there? But the Spirit, the treasure of Jesus' life in us. God, this ought to make somebody look excited today. He says that the treasure, it says the life of the Spirit in us makes intercession for us 
with groanings which cannot be uttered. You don't even know how to say it. You don't even know how to ask him. But there's something in you that's praying that's got you hope in Jesus, even though it looks hopeless, even though you're at the point of despair, you're perplexed. You know if it gets any more pressure, I'm not going to make it. And then on top of that, it feels like life is persecuting you. Because you're saying, I'm pressed, Lord. I'm perplexed. I don't even know how to pray. But Lord, I know you're with me. And God, I don't feel forsaken. That verse, if you look at it, it says you're persecuted, but not forsaken. You're not abandoned. See, that's when you know Jesus is in you. You know what happens to a weak, carnal Christian or a lost religious person? When the difficulties of life come and the devil comes against them and you're persecuted for your faith or just life will persecute you. You'll say, God's gone. You'll feel abandoned. But listen, when the treasure is in you, it can't leave you. It's unbelievable truth. That's why it's a treasure. And then my last one I love. He says, and man, this one here is my favorite part of it. He says that as you are walking with him, going through these times in life, that God's allowed, he says, you are struck down. <laughs> and friends, the world will strike you down. But though you strike down, you're not destroyed. Why? Because the providential sovereignty of a holy God who saved you and purchased you by the cost of his son's blood, now owns you, he adopted you, you're his own and you're valuable. And Paul said, if God be for us, who could be against us? And you can't be separated from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And friends, that's unbelievable because all we are is a little clay. Ooh, pot. Oops. If you ain't had an oops lately, one's coming. And the only one who can put you back together is the one who made you in the first place. His name is Jesus. And friends... Many of times that would have been us if it had not been for the grace and the providential hand of an almighty sovereign God. And one day we will perish. One day this old body's going to give out. But in the midst of that, if the life of Christ has been allowed, if you've let God work out His providence, everything according to what He says is good, and you're letting Him because you love him and you want him to have his way with you to do what he says is good according to his purpose. When the life of Jesus is made real in your life, you'll not just be a Christian filled with a bunch of knowledge. You'll be a Christian that's transformed into the life of Christ. Now I want you to think about this with me. God doesn't want you just to gather information about the knowledge of Christ. Because all that allows you to do is talk to talk. And I'm going to tell you what he wants. He wants you to be transformed. He wants the knowledge of Jesus. That's where it starts. But as the knowledge of Christ brings Christ and his glory to you, he's every day working in us through the treasure within us to take us from where we are, step by step, day by day, image by image, to one day we look and act and possess the life of Jesus. For every Christian who can walk the walk of life, 
There's dozens of them sitting in the church who can only talk about it. You see, walking the walk only happens when you've experienced the transformation from the indwelling presence of Christ. And that's what he's doing this. My mind went blank. Sorry, I'm having a clay pot moment, Miss Betty. And you know what he says? Even though this body is perishing, look at it with me. Look down at verse in our text. Look at it with me. Look down at verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. How does that happen? Well, if you take all of this in context, remember Paul, when he wrote this letter, it was all read at once. It was all together. You don't break it up in chapters. Look at what he says when you look back in verse 17 of chapter 3. It's just a chapter over. Now the Lord is the Spirit. If Jesus came into your life, the Spirit is in there. The Spirit is Jesus. Look at what it says. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. You don't have to be perplexed. You don't have to feel forsaken. You don't have to feel like your life is going to be crushed. And friends, listen what he says. But we, look at verse 18, but we all, we all, every one of us who are saved with an unveiled face, we're no longer blind, beholding as in a mirror, we can see the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image that God's showing us through Christ from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You know what happens when that happens and He makes it real in your life? When you go through difficulties, you don't go through them by yourself. He's with you. you you're not perplexed, despaired, even though you're perplexed. You feel pressed down. You feel difficulty. But you, you don't succumb to it. And friends, listen. We need to show people more than just the things that we can talk about. <laughs> we need to live a life that when we walk through life, that when people look at us, they see something that they know is the glory of God, that the image of Christ is being manifested and is reflecting like era in our life. Friends, we won't ever, ever make an eternal difference when all we do is talk about Jesus and we have a lot of knowledge about him. You see, guys, transformation, I love this quote from Tony Evans, transformation is the demonstration that the information has taken root. And if God gave you the information, it wasn't to give you knowledge to know spiritual things. It was to root it into your heart and grow that truth into your life that it becomes a reality and becomes Jesus manifested in you. And if you all have nothing but information, and guys, I'm preaching to myself because... I was to the point for a long time until recently where I had a lot of information to give away, but I no longer was changing. I was, it was no longer real. We sing those songs. Those songs are beautiful, but they don't mean nothing to you if it's just an information and you're singing about it. It only matters when it's a reality that has happened in your heart. That's why most of these songs don't touch people. You can sing about God, but man, it's a big difference when you can sing about what God did to you and that God lives in you. 
Friends, listen, this is the greatest thing that God's trying to do in every one of our lives. This is what Paul said. He said, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What mystery? The mystery of the gospel in Jesus and his providential plan of salvation to restore and reconcile us to himself. And what is it? He said, God will to make it known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's not just information that you can hope to happen. That'll only be real. You'll only have that undying, that hope, he just said, that living hope, when Jesus' life is being allowed and is being formed and manifested in you. Friends, you know what? I didn't like what happened to me lately, but I have to admit that spiritually, it's the best thing that's happened to me in a long, long time. Because I was going through the motions. I was talking to talk. And the sad thing about it today, if you can talk to talk, you can fool the majority of the church. Because they all just talking to talk to. Their life's not really changed. And I was frustrated and I was aggravated because I had the spiritual knowledge and the awareness and I've even lived the spiritual experience to know it used to be different. I used to be closer to God. I used to have more of God. God, what has happened to me? How did I become so complacent? How did I become so comfortable? How did I get to where I, I want out, but I couldn't get out? You ever been there? I wasn't ignorant. I wasn't confused. Confusion is not knowing what I was perplexed because I couldn't. And then I finally figured out I can't figure it out. I can't do it. And you know what it took to make me realize that? What I've went through. Friends, when you feel that you're pressed in from every side and you're wondering, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to lose my ministry? Am I going to lose everything I've worked for? Am I going to lose my life? <laughs> It'll make you think about where God and you are. And you know what? Through the midst of all that, even though I knew a lot of stuff wasn't the way it should be, I allowed myself doing the COVID to go through COVID, get on break, and not get out of break. And I was just beginning to think break was the way it could be from now on. You know what? If you're a Christian, you ain't on break till you go back to Jesus. You don't have a retirement. His providence is working. And friends, listen to this. As I went through all of that, I was pressed. I was perplexed, but I can honestly say I was never in despair. I was never afraid. I was never, I just was like, Lord, and I couldn't pray. And I got to thinking, God, is the devil doing this to me or are you doing this to me? And then I got hit with a heavy, heavy truth that God is sovereign and he's providentially over my life. And the devil can't do anything to me that he don't have to first go to God and get permission to do. And you too. And so I said, I got to quit blaming the devil. And then I said, well, it's me, Lord. And I had some things I had to deal with that shouldn't have been there. And I had some things missing that should have been there. And I had to do some evaluate. And I had to do some repent. And I had to do some soul searching. But God never left me. I left him. God was still working in me. And God said, I can't get his attention through some things. But I got something coming up that will. <laughs> and as I felt persecuted, I realized this ain't the devil. If God is for me, who can be against me? And I came to a place through all of this that I can honestly say, God knows 
it could just be information. I'm telling you this and using Scripture to show it that it's valid, it's true. But what brings me joy today that I'm saying it from a heart that knows it's true, that knows it's real, that when you're struck down and you feel like, I can't give up, I was ready to quit, I was ready to give up. I said, Lord, I, I can't do this anymore. Even though I was struck down, I wasn't destroyed. And friend, the only thing that I can say that keeps you going when those times come and they will come, that's a potential in everyone's life before you get home. Because we're just an old fragile clay pot on the way to leaving here and going back to the dirt. Is that the life of God has to be in you. Not information, not a bunch of stuff you know about God, but a life that God has done in you. Friends, this is probably boring to a lot of Christians because the majority of Christians have no interest in more than getting saved and going to heaven. But friends, if you want heaven to come now and be in your life today, this is the reality of what God does. (laughs) And friends, I don't know about you, but Paul, later on in this book, he has another time when he's going through another struggle. And he was just like us when you get to the 12th chapter. The Bible says that God gave Paul a thorn in the flesh. Something that reminded him that you're clay. You're just an old body. It was so bad that Paul begged the Lord three times to make it go away. And as Paul has been learning and teaching, you know what God will do? If you talk to talk, He's going to make you walk to walk. Or he's going to shut your mouth. <laughs> and friends, listen. Paul's praying to God. It's, he's being buffeted by Satan himself. A messenger of Satan brought it to him. A thorn in the flesh. Paul prayed three times. And the Lord said, Paul, I'm not going to take it away. You know why? Because the treasure, the gift of Jesus in you and my grace is sufficient. And when you are weak and you realize you're nothing but a clay pot, that you can't fix it, you can't handle it, your life is not manageable, there's things in life that's going to press you that you can't control, there's things that's going to perplex you, that's going to bring you to despair, there's times when you're going to be persecuted, that you're going to feel forsaken and abandoned, and then you're going to get struck down, and without me, you would be destroyed. But with me, you know what Paul said? Paul said, I would rather, rather glory in my infirmities so that when I am weak, Christ can be strong. Friends, there's a power, the excellence of that power He put in us. Harness it. Seek it. Say, God, I want it. There's so much more to the Christian life than going to church every Sunday and leaving the same way you come. Sunday in, Sunday out. The preacher had a good sermon today. Man, it was enlightening. It made me feel spiritual. And then just check it off and have nothing but information. When God will give you transformation. And you know what I've found? I need a lot more transformation than I like to admit. Today, where are you at? Are you where you need to be or wish you could? Because Jesus is right there. You know the unbelievable thing? As far as America looks from God, from what I know about God, He knew all this was going to happen long before we ever were put on this earth. And regardless of what America chooses, The providence of God's already got it worked out, much less figured out. Whatever happens to this church, this is his church. We're his people. God knows what he's going to do with us. Our job 
is just to let him do it and to surrender to him. So today, as we're going to sing, today, all I can tell you is we preach Jesus, not ourselves, Jesus, and the light comes. Today, there's somebody here that you've never been saved. You're in darkness. This Jesus stuff to you, he's a myth, he's a biblical character, but he's not a reality in your day-to-day life. You don't have a relationship with God through Jesus. And you know about Jesus. You could quote some things, but you're not living a life that walks with Christ and you don't know his presence in you. Today, you could be saved. Jesus said this to a very religious man named Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. He was probably more religious and had more understanding knowledge of the Bible than anybody in this room. And Jesus looked at Nicodemus and he said, Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, that's what God wants to do today. He wants to take the treasure of himself, his life, the life of God, and put it in you. And he does it by Jesus. You know what the message is? The message is that Jesus loved you enough to die for you, that if you accept his death and confess your sin, he will give you his life and give you his righteousness. He'll change you. He'll transform you. Today, there's somebody in here. You know right now if you died, you'd go to hell. We make heaven and hell, and that is an important issue. But friends, today, I'm not asking you about do you think you'll go to heaven. I'm asking you, has heaven come to you? Does the life of God live in you and have its way? And friends, listen. Nicodemus scratched his head. <laughs> he was perplexed. He couldn't understand it. And Jesus said, do not marvel, Nicodemus, that a set of man must be born again. He said, for if a man is not born again, he cannot even enter my kingdom. Friends, today, God wants to put his life into us. Don't satisfy and speak. Okay, with bless. As we stand, would you stand with me? Father, today there's someone who's not knowing what to do. But Lord, if you would help him to just say, I want Jesus enough to walk forward and sit at the front pew in the middle. And we could take the time to show them how Jesus wants to shine the light into their heart. Lord, there's a whole room full of people who I know are experiencing what I did. They have information. They want to go to church. But their life's not changing. They're stuck in a rut. They're going through the same things day in, day out. The more information they get, there's still no change. Their life is settled. And Lord, they know there's more. Lord, I pray that whatever you take, I don't want them to have to go through what I went through, but that, Lord, today would be a day where you would show them the light of your glory and help them to be transformed. Lord, I thank you that regardless of the choices we make, that you are so sovereign and so providential that you work all things together for good. For those of us who love you, who are called, be called according to your purpose, And that, Lord, that is what you're doing in every one of our lives that say, Lord, today I praise you for what you're doing. And I praise you, God, that for every person here, Lord, that you have a plan and a purpose for them. Help us today to surrender to it, to be aware and want it. In Jesus' name, amen.